Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Back to school delayed. I have directed... Uh, the Ministry of Education through an order to take a phased restart for our K-12 schools. The rapid rise of Omicron puts classes on hold for another week. COVID hits healthcare workers. Can we safely uh, run our hospitals and our healthcare system knowing that there will be um, people on leave? How other provinces are dealing with severe staffing shortages and what's on the table here when B.C. freezes over. First time I've done this outdoor since I lived in, uh, on the prairies. A warning, you might be skating on thin ice. And what winter has in store for us next. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Once again, B.C. parents will be forced to scramble for childcare thanks to the pandemic. The province announcing late this afternoon that the return to school after the holidays will be delayed by a week. Richard Zussman is live in Victoria with that and some other changes ahead. Richard. And no doubt, Sophie, will be challenging for parents parents and guardians next week with school out for most students. Some of those students, though, probably excited that they will get an extra week of Christmas holiday. No matter how you feel about this, one thing is for sure. Omicron is heading for the doors of schools like this one, and the province is just trying to batten down the hatches before that happens. Back to school, push back. We understand that this will be disruptive for many families. Staff and teachers will be expected in school starting next week, but only K-12 students that have special needs or are children of essential workers are to be in class. Everyone else will be back a week later on January 10th. We're not closing schools. We're not going to online learning. What we're doing is having a phased um, approach to full back to school. When school returns, there will be staggered starts, breaks, and end of the day to minimize interactions in the hallways. Staff meetings, assemblies, and big indoor school events are to be virtual, and extracurricular sport tournaments are postponed. We need to act proactively now to ensure we can try to minimize uh, the disruption and minimize absenteeism down the road. We want to have a, a, a successful uh, return of students uh, to school. And there will be more school measures coming before January 10th. School administrators will use this phased approach to address things like making sure we can continue to safely have classes, to address absenteeism and program um, continuity. The BC Teachers Federation has been calling on the start of school to be pushed back. They are pleased this is happening, but are worried so many staff and teachers will get sick. A one-week delay won't prevent schools from closing down the road. We are really concerned about the functional closures that could occur, especially given the vaccination rates amongst the 5 to 11-year-olds. The province also announcing teachers will not be fast-tracked for booster shots. 
Because they were fast-tracked for first and second vaccine doses, some are past seven months without a booster. Teachers are very concerned. Uh, it makes sense to fast-track teachers for boosters because it will mean schools can stay open. Richard, there's been a lot of criticism um, in past waves about how the school community is notified when there are COVID cases. We know that there will be many more cases in schools. We see it in the community right now. And, and what happens in the community is mirrored in schools, as they say. So how is the province preparing to improve the notification system? Sophie, Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked about this today and she says it is going to be impossible for schools to keep up with all of the cases. And in many cases, parents will not be notified when there is a positive case in the, in the school community. They are asking parents and families to take on some responsibility themselves. So if you have a child who has tested positive for COVID or if you believe could be positive for COVID, to notify your social circles, this is going to be a challenge challenging road ahead for the province. We will get more details exactly on the notification system, but no doubt there are going to be flaws and families will be counted on to help out. All right, we'll see how it goes. Thanks for that. Richard Zussman in Victoria. And BC has once again set a new record for most COVID-19 cases in a single day. We have 2,944 new cases confirmed over the last 24 hours. That brings our total since testing began to more than 246,000. Five people have died from COVID since Christmas Eve. 193 people are in hospital with 66 of those patients in ICU. We have just over 16,000 active cases right now, and that is the highest active case number we have seen during the pandemic. Now, keep in mind, those numbers aren't even the whole picture because test sites have been closed periodically over the holidays. But one thing that does give us some clarity is the positivity rate, which mm -hmm. is exploding. And Keith Baldry is here with more on that. It's not as high in BC, Keith, as what we've been seeing out east, but it is still very high. We're starting to catch up with Ontario and Quebec, uh, which hit 20% plus in recent days. And that accounts for why they're exploding with numbers more than 10,000 in Ontario today, about 12,000 in Quebec are setting a record, as you mentioned, almost 3,000 cases from yesterday because the positivity rate is really exploding. I reported on it last week, knowing this is where we're headed. Take a look at the numbers now. Uh, just an explosion right across the board in every health authority. Uh, the province-wide average, seven-day rolling average is almost 15%, 14.5. That's an increase of 64 percent since Christmas Eve. Fraser Health, again, now almost 14 percent, up 94 percent. The interior in the north, which had been low for some time, starting to inch up there as well. And Vancouver Island continues uh, to go high as well as 15.7 percent, an increase of 63 percent. Dr. Bonnie Henry today acknowledging, yes, it's very high, particularly in some of the health authorities, particularly Vancouver Coastal and Fraser, where the, the, the positivity average was actually quite low just a few days ago. But that's where the cases are exploding in the greatest number. But she expects the number to come down eventually as the new health measures take effect. They took off first in the areas where they were the lowest, Vancouver Coastal and Fraser Health, and, and the one-day test positivity in, in Coastal today was around 20%. So we do expect that. Um, however, the things that we are doing are also helping to dampen that. 
So we tested about 15,000 people yesterday, but we were testing more than 20,000 people for a couple days there uh, before Christmas. If we start to hit to those levels again of 20,000 tests, if we are now getting approaching 20% positivity rate, as we're seeing in Ontario and Quebec, we're going to see 4,000 cases a day. We could see 5,000 cases a day. But again, the hospitalization numbers the last few days have not exploded. 107 hospitalizations over five, uh, over seven days is uh, over five days, pardon me, is just a little more than 20 a day, not where near our peak of more than 40 a day in November. So hopefully those hospitalization numbers remain low. But there's a lag effect, as I pointed out, with uh, COVID-19. It takes two to three weeks to get a true gauge of the effect on hospitals and ICUs. And we're still a ways away from that. All right. Here's hoping. Thank you, Keith. Well, with so many more infections due to Omicron, the B.C. government says it is looking at ways to ensure the health care system doesn't buckle under the strain. Other provinces have announced they will relax their COVID isolation requirements in order to keep more people on the job. Kamal Karamali has more on what's being considered in B.C. In the midst of a severe shortage of healthcare workers, Quebec pushes forward with a controversial plan, allowing some staff who test positive for COVID-19 to continue working. We have no choice. Ontario and Manitoba say they're considering similar measures. In Alberta, the province's health authority so desperate for workers, it's now allowing unvaccinated staff who were put on unpaid leave to return to the job as long as they get tested. Here in B.C., the province's top doctor says allowing COVID-positive workers to return to the job is an option that's currently on the table to address the major staff shortages. There are certain settings where we need to make sure that we have that balancing of continuity of care. The province now trying to figure out the criteria that would allow someone to return to work with covid particularly people who have very mild illness or are asymptomatic, are able to safely uh, do work in those workplaces. Quebec's policy in allowing COVID-positive healthcare professionals to return to work will be looked at on a case-by-case basis. Many would not return right away, but after a shortened isolation period. If a healthcare worker needs to isolate, we want to make sure that they are isolating for the least amount of time possible, um, where they wouldn't be at risk of infecting people. And we are seeing that the guidelines are changing around the world. U.S. health officials cut quarantine periods from 10 days down to five this week. The B.C. Nurses Union says it's in talks with the province, but for now doesn't like the idea of sending staff back on the job before they've fully recovered from any illness. Why would we require a nurse who is sick and not feeling well to go to work? She needs to be given the time for he to heal and and to recuperate. The BC Nurses Union says it's willing to discuss Quebec and Alberta's policies with its own provincial government in hopes of addressing the understaffed healthcare sector. Kamal Kramali, Global News. Staffing shortages are also putting pressure on restaurants at what should be their busiest time of year. Many simply closing their doors because too many workers are home with positive results or symptoms. Grace Key has more on the self-isolation impact. And Dr. Bonnie Henry's advice for businesses battling increased absenteeism. All three Autostrada restaurants in Vancouver voluntarily shut down after less than half of their workers tested positive for COVID. There were no outbreaks and nothing connecting the restaurants. Navigating isolation times has been confusing. So right now, the, it seems like isolation is seven days. There's still some people holding on to the idea of 10 days. 
And now a CDC coming out saying it could be five days. You've got people saying, I feel good. I want to come back to work. So there's a little bit of confusion. Out of an abundance of caution, Nook in North Vancouver voluntarily shut down for a week after two workers tested positive. The owner has been offering rapid antigen tests to staff. There's no one extra to work. If you, if you can't make your shift, we just go with less people. Luckily, uh, people are a little more reticent about going out for dinner, so it isn't as busy as it has been. So it's, it's been manageable so far, but I mean, every day, like, you know, we had another person test positive today. Como Taperia closed until the first week of January after staff tested positive. Manning Park limited operations due to staffing shortages. To help the U.S. economy, the CDC has shortened the recommended time for isolation from 10 days to five for asymptomatic Americans who test positive. You know, obviously, I'd love to have people back at work in five days if they're safe, but we don't want to be the center of this Uh, virus continuing to take over our community. I would like to hear from our experts on what really is necessary because there's lots of different jurisdictions around the world which are doing a little bit less or they're doing seven days. So yes, we are looking at those in detail um, and my team will be looking at that and we'll be revising our advice uh, as the data becomes available. We made some changes uh, some months ago around uh, people who are vaccinated who have had uh, close contact with somebody with Omicron do not need to quarantine um, or isolate for that uh, potential incubation period. You can continue to go to work. Autostrada hopes to be back up and running for New Year's Eve celebrations. Grace Key, Global News. Now, a news hour follow-up to our stories about residents of single-room occupancy hotels in Vancouver who haven't had heat for several days. As Rumina Dea reports, there has been some progress, but the fundamental problem remains. The temperature inside one of the rooms at the Regal SRO, zero degrees, says an advocate for one of the tenants. Many residents still without heat since Christmas Day. Me, some room like in the back, we got eat, but just a little bit. It's like, it's, it's like almost like outside. Residents say they're paying $700 a month for what? The money automatically deducted from disability checks every month. The Regal is owned by Park Cash Sahoda, according to a property search. The city of Vancouver expropriated two other hotels owned by the Sahoda family because of ongoing complaints of inhuman conditions. The lawyer who has represented the Sahoda family on vacation until January 4th. On Tuesday, the city's chief building officer told us the city doesn't have a lot of authority in this case because the owner is working diligently to keep the system working. The city is the only person that has the power to do something, so you need to do something. The authorities that the city has are dictated by the bylaws that, that are in place, right? We yeah, the bylaw, we're doing everything we can. Change the bylaws then. This just keeps going on over and over and over again. That's always on the table. I mean, we're, yeah, um, that's certainly a possibility. Somebody think this through. Help people who have paid their rent be warm, be safe. The city can step up. The Regal, not the only low-income housing building with heat problems, according to rent-paying residents. So now What? We spoke to the electrical contractor for the Regal, who tells us he's been working his butt off since Christmas Day to get the heat back on. The building is 120 years old. It's not easy. John told us he's hoping to have a power upgrade done by the end of Friday so that baseboard heaters can be installed. Romina Dea, Global News. 
And late this afternoon, the city of Vancouver told us both boilers in the Regal are now working, but there are still some issues with the radiators in a handful of units, and those units will be getting electric heaters. Well, there has been a dramatic spike in emergency calls during this cold snap. While Metro Vancouver is getting a slight reprieve from the frigid temperatures, it's not out of the danger zone just yet. Another snowfall warning is now in place. Imadagahi joins us with the latest on this shift, which has led to a warning from officials about ice. Imad. Yeah, a warning and a dilemma for staff at cities and the park board who spent most of the day trying to keep people off lakes and ponds throughout Metro Vancouver that looked frozen and inviting for a pond hockey game or a walk or a skate on ice, on ice that was never deemed safe enough to be on. It's very tempting and that's why we walk around and let people know that it's not, uh, it's not safe to go on it. The danger tape, signage and reinforcement are all necessary at Vancouver's Trout Lake to stop people from putting themselves in harm's way, which in this case also happens to be on thin ice. I think if they are not there, people will be out there. It looks frozen, but it's only on the top. You know, underneath it's all water and it's very cold and it's just, uh, it's not a pleasant thing if you drop through. Of course, it's cold. It has been unseasonably below zero for five days now and the escape to warmer times does not appear to be immediate because the Environment Canada warning for Metro Vancouver has been replaced from Arctic outflow now to snowfall. We're expecting snow, widespread amounts of five to ten centimeters. Dry and cold is definitely better than wet and cold. The recent weather has been hard on the unhoused, that is clear. But it has also caused emergency situations. According to BCEHS, between Christmas Day and December 28th, BC paramedics across all health authorities responded to 50 calls of hypothermia and frostbite. In the same four-day period last year, there were only nine of those calls. This is something we haven't seen that often here in December over the last several years. It's really going back to 2008, last time we saw this, this kind of cold Arctic blast in December. First time I've done this outdoors since I lived in, uh, on the prairies. On Wednesday, plenty of people laced up, skating past the signs of warning at Vanier Park in Vancouver and Como Lake in Coquitlam. You know, I'll take my own risk here. This pond is not very deep and there are lots of people around to help out. But this was not an option at Lost Lagoon and Trout Lake, which clearly proved to be more threatening and most watched. Now the park board had also been asking people to resist the urge to lace up on its uh, ponds and lakes in Vancouver and pointing to that uh, thin ice. You saw the lifeguards here earlier. They packed up and went home in the late afternoon. Uh, then about a few dozen people did go out on the ice and seemed to be having a good time. And then uh, park board uh, rangers came back and asked them to leave the ice and they slowly did as it got darker. All right, let's hope everyone stays safe. Imadagahi reporting at Trout Lake. Thanks, Imad. Now, for more on what we can expect out of this snowfall yeah, morning, it... let's bring in our meteorologist, Yvonne Shell. For some areas, Yvonne, this will be a pretty big weather event. Yeah, and it is going to be heavy at times, widespread right across the south coast. We're seeing a few flurries popping up along the western edge of the island, but the main snow event is going to fall overnight and leading in towards the morning hours. Most areas will see that range between 5, potentially up to 10 centimeters. It's higher elevations and extending in towards the Fraser Valley that we could see upwards of 15 centimeters of snow. So the snow 
snowfall warning across Metro Vancouver, also including Victoria, eastern areas of the island, and extending in towards the Sunshine Coast. We still have that cold Arctic outflow warning for western areas into the Fraser Valley, extending in towards Hope. We also have snow and heavy at times for the northern half of the province, inland across the central interior, and if you're traveling along the mountain passes, more on the amounts and the timeline coming up very shortly. Sophie. All right, thanks for that, Yvonne. A holiday tradition in many Canadian households is being called off. The World Junior Hockey Championship only started a few days ago, but today officials cancelled the whole thing. The growing outbreaks that put everything on ice and how they might be able to salvage the tournament. Next on the News Hour. Fallout from BC's deep freeze, how frozen pipes are causing all sorts of problems later on the news hour. Right now, though, a major loss to the pandemic in the sports world. The International Ice Hockey Federation has officially cancelled the remainder of the 2022 World Junior Hockey Championship being played in Alberta because of rising cases of COVID. Let's bring in Squire Barnes now, who's been tracking the situation. Uh, it only started a few days ago, Squire. Yes, but you could sort of see this coming because they didn't have as many preliminary games because of the Omicron outbreak. Now, there weren't a lot of players who got it, but the rules were that if one of your players tested positive, the team had to go into a quarantine for 24 hours, and if a game fell within that time, you had to forfeit that game. The Americans forfeited a game already. It came out this morning before the cancellation announcement that the Czechs and the Russians had to forfeit games. So it was getting to the point for the International Ice Hockey Federation that, you know what, if we have to keep forfeiting games and if this is just going to keep getting worse, we might as well call it right now. Uh, today, we had to cancel three games on four. And we saw that uh, it will not going to be better, but worse. And that's why uh, I talk about the team. We, I should talk about the referee too, uh, we, we saw that uh, that was impossible to continue this, uh, this competition in a fair way. Now that was Luke Tardif, who was the head of the IIHF. He's from Quebec. He just got the job a few months ago. Um, we should say, though, that another thing that he said and that the organizers have said is they're going to look for a way to possibly run this tournament in the summertime the way they did with the uh, Women's World Hockey Championships, the last one run it in the summer if it can be done. No promises yet, but they would like to play this tournament on all the other ones that the IIHF has had to cancel because of COVID. And who doesn't love summer hockey? <laughs> We've learned to love it. Exactly. We've learned, I should mention very quickly, Brock Besser tested positive today for COVID, so he's not going to play tonight for the Canucks, obviously, against Anaheim. All right, we'll uh, talk to you a little bit later in sports. Thanks, Squire. Okay. A dramatic scene wakes the neighborhood in Victoria. I uh, heard over the loudspeaker the police calling the suspect out to uh, come out with his hands up. A traffic stop that turned into a wild ride for a Vic PD officer and how the whole thing ended. Plus, how the frigid temperatures pose new challenges for rescue crews. Next. Crews on scene to a spun-out vehicle here in Port Coquitlam, eastbound on the Mary Hill Bypass, just past the Coquitlam River Bridge. Today's Lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $21 million, plus an additional guaranteed $1 million prize. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Port Coquitlam. 
A Victoria police officer is recovering from a leg injury after being dragged by an alleged impaired driver who fled a traffic stop early this morning. Catherine Urquhart has more on the arrest and why the suspect's criminal past was a red flag. It's about 3 a.m. Wednesday when police officers take down a suspect in Victoria. The man is arrested after a dramatic incident, one that involved an officer being dragged by the fleeing motorist. So I woke up around 3.45 to sirens coming through my condo window. I heard over the loudspeaker the police calling the suspect out to uh, come out with his hands up. It all started in downtown Victoria after police saw a driver going the wrong way on a one-way street. They uh, pulled the vehicle over, they ran the plate and discovered that the registered owner had a previous conviction for a homicide and had recently indicated to police that uh, he was looking for a fatal confrontation with police officers. After calling for backup, officers approached the driver and immediately suspected he was intoxicated. He refused to get out of the car. Then... He actually um, turned, the, turned the van on and accelerated away from the, from the officers. One of the officers um, became entangled with the vehicle and was dragged for several meters. A few blocks away, the driver smashed into a parked car, then a house. A police vehicle was close behind and blocked the car. Still, the man remained non-compliant. A beanbag gun and taser were used. I heard the three shots. I ran to my balcony and started recording. The suspect failed a breathalyzer test, was given a driving prohibition, and had his vehicle impounded. Later, he was released as the investigation continues. Incredibly, the officer who was dragged was not seriously hurt. His injuries limited to his lower leg. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A close call for a hiker today and a stern warning from North Shore Rescue. A group of four people were hiking and sledding at Cypress Bowl when one of them injured their ankle and couldn't walk out. North Shore Rescue sent in a helicopter to get the person to safety. And while this story had a happy ending, North Shore Rescue says the next person might not be so lucky. Freezing temperatures cause problems for rescuers. NSR is asking anyone heading out into the backcountry to be prepared to stay there. Coming up, grim confirmation of a dark past. Think about that, a three, four, five, six-year-old. Think about that, what they did to our people. A look back at a year when Canada was confronted with its shameful history. Also ahead, what world health officials say must happen to move us past the COVID-19 pandemic. Crews are on the scene to another spun-out vehicle, this time in North Delta, southbound on Highway 99 at 72nd Avenue. Only the left lane is getting by. Today's Lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $21 million, plus an additional guaranteed $1 million prize. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Delta. In May, the revealing of unmarked graves at the Tecumloops Tishwetbunk First Nation shocked non-Indigenous people across the country. It also touched off a series of events that may see us move closer to truth and reconciliation. Neetu Garcha explains, and a warning, some viewers may find this content distressing. 
On this day, validation of the truths elders like Evelyn Camille had been telling for decades. 215 unmarked graves near the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. I was a small child. I was uh, innocent and defenseless. Sometimes I cried. I, I tried to hide my uh, anger. The anger and anguish would quickly reverberate across the country. In Ottawa, a moment of silence in the House of Commons. Amid a global outpouring of support, hundreds more graves would be found near former residential schools in B.C. and Saskatchewan. Think about that, a three, four, five, six-year-old. Think about that, what they did to our people, our ancestors. Calls grew to abolish a racist piece of legislation known as the Indian Act, improve the quality of life for Indigenous communities, and address the issues within the child welfare system. Who pays the price? It's the kids, the children. Our children pay the price. And many of those who survived reliving the horrors. I wanted to get out there so bad, but I was raped and abused. On the first weekend of June, Pope Francis expressed his pain over the revealing of the children's remains, but did not offer an apology. In Victoria, July 1st events were postponed as a Cancel Canada Day movement grew across the country as did cases of arson, denounced by survivors and Indigenous leaders after more than a dozen Christian places of worship were set on fire and vandalized. It is really sad. We had nothing to do. What happened with those poor kids? A national moment of reckoning many believed would become a top election issue. But after the writ dropped on August 15th... There is really little to no real discussion other than a few headlines that have been mentioned and tossed around, you know, during the debate. The country's first national day for truth and reconciliation, later overshadowed by the Prime Minister's absence. A journalist quietly informed us that you are on vacation in Tofino. The newly re-elected PM visiting to Kamloops nearly three weeks later after facing a tide of backlash. As a leader in my community, I would love you to apologize to these two ladies. I apologize. I should have been here with you. The Prime Minister's school attendance records claim at this event... All the records in possession of the federal government uh, have already been turned over. ...was quickly refuted by the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation in Winnipeg. Such an untrue statement. Another way of the government dragging its, its feet. Several weeks later, in early December, Pope Francis agreeing to make a trip to Canada in the coming year. Now, as the Omicron variant forces the planned Indigenous delegation to the Vatican into 2022... Hopes remain high that a new year will continue waking more people up to the trauma. Our community was one to look after each other. But these residential schools took that away from us. Our language, our way of life. And that it doesn't take more gruesome proof of our dark past to get there. Nitu Garcha, Global News. Now, we understand these stories may be dis uh, distressing and triggering for our viewers. So if you or someone you know needs support, you can call that number on your screen, 1-866-925-4419. That crisis line operates 24 hours a day. In Health Matters tonight, the World Health Organization says the acute phase of the COVID-19 pandemic could end by July of 2022 if every country vaccinated at least 70% of its population.
the virus itself is very unlikely to go away completely and will probably settle down into a pattern of transmission low level, causing occasional outbreaks in under-vaccinated populations. Uh, And we hope that that is the, the end game here. We are just two days shy of the two-year anniversary of the discovery of the novel coronavirus. It was on New Year's Eve 2019 that China first alerted the WHO to more than two dozen cases of a pneumonia of unknown origin in the city of Wuhan. The WHO is calling on countries to share vaccines and warns that richer countries focusing on boosters could leave poorer nations short. Up next, the consequences of the bitter cold. There is a fair amount of damage. How BC's deep freeze has put extra pressure on plumbers. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, the cold weather is having consequences in the Okanagan, where several buildings, including Kelowna's courthouse, are dealing with frozen pipes. Global's Taya Fast reports. With frigid temperatures still lingering throughout the Okanagan, a number of buildings in Kelowna are dealing with frozen pipes and in some cases, significant bursts. Actual responses by the fire department, there's probably in the last 24 to 36 hours, maybe a dozen, but we're also in after hours call number for the city. Pipes in Kelowna's courthouse froze overnight and the very same thing happening at an apartment building near Earl's in the downtown core. Icicles still hanging from where the water leaked. Interior Health also confirmed that pipes inside Cottonwoods Care Center froze and ruptured last night. That area has now been taped off for drying and repairs. The care of their residents has not been impacted. Fighting mostly with the older residences and homes that, um, you know, the older houses, that they, uh, the water lines are running the exterior walls back in the day without uh, insulation. So that's where most of the problems are happening. In the south, a Peachline restaurant has had to close for the foreseeable future after their entire building flooded due to frozen sprinklers. There is a fair amount of damage. Um, it was a fire suppression system, a sprinkler pipe that did burst uh, inside the, the commercial business. We are a paid-on-call fire department, so our response, even though it's right across the street from the fire hall, you know, we're still looking at a, you know eight-minute response time for our crews. Um, we did force entry into the building. Um, we didn't wait for the PR rep to, uh, to arrive on scene. We knew we had a burst pipe we forced entry and, and got the sprinkler system turned off are this many frozen pipes bizarre for this time of year yeah we've had more than usual but to be expected with this uh, cold weather if you are experiencing frozen pipes reach out to a professional like a plumber or restoration company and be cautious of how you choose to thaw your pipes you'll really be careful with space heaters um, you know, if you have a frozen pipe, you know, definitely don't use a blowtorch uh, to unthaw it. You know, try to raise the temperature and to unthaw it that way, hair dryers. But, you know, blow, to- blow torches will damage the plastic pipe and, and ultimately potentially uh, cause a fire. TFS Global News, Peachland. All right, you know that we have a weather event coming up when our director uses the snowflake wipe. <laughs> <It's> a nice <laughs> effect. It's very fitting. It is. We'll see a lot more snow than that, though. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be heavy at times, especially overnight tonight. So be prepared and leading in towards the morning hours, five and up to 10 centimeters for most areas across Metro Vancouver. It's chilly out there. So the weather maker that is going to move in will be seeing snowfall with the wind chill once again overnight tonight. We'll be into the minus teens for most areas along the south coast, but it's eastern areas into the Fraser Valley, including Hope, 
with the wind chill still feeling into the minus 20s, the Arctic outflow warning that is still in effect, and many areas in towards the interior with temperatures uh, feeling closer to minus 20 and minus 30 for the interior. Now, the snowfall amounts, 15 is possible, but that'll be for higher elevation, eastern areas stretching into the Fraser Valley. The Sunshine Coast could be included within that, but most areas, 5 and up to 10, extending in towards the Sunshine Coast. The north and central coast, it's coastal areas, 5, inland up to 10 centimeters. The central interior could see 10 and up to 15 centimeters of snow leading in towards tomorrow morning. Arctic outflow warning remains in effect along the north coast inland. That'll likely take us in towards the end of the year, the end of this week, and into the weekend. The wind chills between minus 20 and minus 30. Check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. We do have snow heavy at times. Into Thursday morning, the connector between 10 and 15 centimeters. Malahat as well as the Coquihalla between 5 and 10. Sea to sky to Whistler could see up to 5 centimeters of snowfall by tomorrow morning. Easing off, but very chilly along the coast. Still seeing those strong outflow winds. Much of the central and southern interior will see that snowfall ease off in the morning hours. I anticipate we'll see some breaks. A nice clearing is on the way. It'll be similar for Metro Vancouver. We've even got some sunshine in the mix towards the afternoon. Chilly for tomorrow, though, with highs just up to minus 2. A nice break will be on our Friday. Plenty of sunshine. Next weather maker, however, will be... New Year's Eve leading in towards our New Year's Day. All right, tonight's weather window, we've got a gorgeous shot, and this one was taken from Anarchist Mountain and captured by Brenda. So thank you so much. So That's beautiful. Thank you very much, Yvonne. Oh, another snowflake wipe <laughs> for you, Squire. <laughs> we're talking about hockey. And it's winter. It's both of those things, hockey and And somehow and outside our door, it turned into Saskatchewan. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> With mountains. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux figured out one way to help the Canucks' penalty-killing woes was don't take as many penalties. You only have to kill one or two penalties off in a game. It's a lot Seems easier. Logical. We will see if they can stay out of the box again tonight. They're taking on Anaheim, their first game in about two weeks. And later tonight, a father of three in the fight of his life and how he's helping others through it all. Didn't Bruce Boudreaux just say yesterday we've got like 17 forwards who are healthy and whatever? Omicron happens fast. I don't know what <laughs> I can tell you. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. The Canucks' first wave of Omicron earlier this month didn't hit any of its star players, but now it has. Brock Besser found out today he has tested positive, and now he's in protocol. Of course, he can't play tonight's game at 7.30 against Anaheim. Phil DiGiuseppe also tested positive, as did a team official. Now, Besser has traveled with the Canucks down to California, so hopefully it won't spread any further. And it's too bad because Besser has been on a roll since Bruce Boudreaux has arrived with five goals and two assists in six games. So one of the reasons that Travis Green and his assistant Nolan Baumgartner were fired was because of how bad special teams were this season, especially the penalty kill. Five on five, the Canucks actually weren't that bad. But penalties were costing them games because their strategy on how to stop opposition power plays was obviously all wrong. It's another thing that's improved underneath Bruce Boudreaux so far. But Boudreaux has also taught the Canucks to have some discipline. Don't take penalties. In their last three games, Vancouver has only given up three power plays. 
Well, it's one thing we've stressed. I mean, we've put it on the board every night that if you take two penalties or less, you're going to have success. And I think, uh, you know, and one of the phrases I use is we got to check with our legs and meaning you got to skate and uh, uh, they've taken it to heart and they've done a really good job with it. And it's a, um, that's the way you advance your penalty killing too. I mean, when you only have to kill one or two penalties off in a game, it's a lot easier than I think the last time in here, we had to kill six off um, something of that nature anyway. And, and that becomes difficult. Then it's usually two for six or something. And, and then you, then your penalty killing looks like it's a lot worse than it probably really is. Well, in hindsight, the World Junior Hockey Tournament was skating on thin ice the moment it began, with NHL games being postponed, the NHL players not going to the Olympics because of COVID. It was a lot to expect this tournament to skate through unscathed until the end. Now we know it could not. It was canceled today after more games couldn't be played. But the head of the International Ice Hockey Federation says he's not giving up. If there is a chance, they might finish this tournament in the summer. Let us uh, sometimes, uh, maybe a month, because uh, I don't want, and I think the organization committee don't want to give up, uh, to think about how we can do uh, this uh, this event 2022, maybe further if it's possible. So we're going to take uh, the next month to think about it and maybe come with a good surprise. Yesterday, of course, uh, Leila Fernandez was named the Canadian Press Female Athlete of the Year. Today, it was decathlete Damian Warner, the male Canadian Press Athlete of the Year. Of course, he won the decathlon at the Tokyo Olympics. First Canadian ever to do so, setting an Olympic points record in the process. Aaron Rodgers said there is no guarantee this will be his last season with Green Bay. He certainly is having fun this year. The Packers are very much Super Bowl contenders. Whether he comes back to the pack goes to a different team or retires altogether remains to be seen. But whatever he chooses, he says he'll do it quickly. I don't want to, it won't be something where I'll drag it out for months and months, you know, have conversations uh, with my loved ones after the season, with, with Brian and Mark and Russ and coaching staff and, and, uh, and then make a decision at some point. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hold the team back from anything. And, and, and once I commit and if it's committing, uh, you know, to move forward here, it'll be a, it'll be a quick decision. Is he going to ask Joe Rogan? I'm not sure. He may, he may call Joe Rogan as well. I'm not sure. Did you hear my eyes roll? I, I, I felt them. <laughs> I didn't even have to hear them. I didn't even have to look. I felt the eye roll. Okay. Thanks, Squire. You're quite welcome. Up next, how a father of three is taking on cancer and sharing his journey with others. A Calgary man is facing the biggest health challenge of his life, terminal cancer. And that's saying something. The father of three has already had two close brushes with death. But as Tracy Nagai reports, despite his grave diagnosis, he's maintaining a positive outlook for himself and for others dealing with the disease. 
first connected by their love of music in Calgary's live music scene. Years later, Matthew Bennett and Christine Williams' friendship has grown, watching Matthew face one of the greatest challenges of his life. Of course, you know, you're devastated to hear that someone so young is, you know, hit with something like that, that's just awful. Last winter, Matthew was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. He says doctors also removed a tumor from his brain and found the cancer had spread to his hips and right rib. While Matthew underwent radiation and is currently taking a drug to treat his lung cancer, he's also decided to transform his life. Changed my entire diet, exercise regime, um, meditating, yoga, uh, just just bringing the body to a state of like uh, balance and harmony. Every time I went and get an MRI, or went and got an MRI, it was like drastically improved. And the last MRI showed that it's hanging on by like a little thread. Um, it's shrunken 90%. While Matthew is optimistic, his journey has had several obstacles. When he was first diagnosed, he was told he may only have five years to live. He had to quit his job last winter and was forced to sell the family home over the summer. The father of three also had a setback in the fall. I went to stand up out of, out of a nap and my whole right side of my body just was completely offline, like 99% offline. I could feel it if I touched it, but it was like basically paralyzed and, I, and my, um, uh, my face, everything. This isn't the first time Matthew has had to fight for his life. In 2001, he was a passenger in a serious car crash in B.C., he had to undergo several painful surgeries. Had a crazy uh, flip over car accident where I lost a third of my intestine, tore my aorta artery um, and uh, broke my back in three places. Despite it all, Matthew is not only focused on treating his cancer, but beating it. And he's working on videos to help others fight the disease. You either decide to live like today, now, and for how long you want to live, or just get comfortable and start to die. I think that, you know, Western medicine is wonderful, but there's another aspect to medicine that isn't as um, explored. And I think that there's a lot to be said for it. Looking at all options. It's something that can be um, dealt with and handled, but it takes massive action. And never giving up. Trace Nagai, Global News. All right. Uh, 30 seconds, Yvonne, and we'll give it to you. We're all black and white, right? We're river black matchy. and white TV. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Snow heavy at times, especially overnight tonight. Uh, that'll be the big concern. Higher elevations, we'll see uh, higher amounts, and we'll anticipate it or we'll track it in towards the morning hours before it eases off. A nice break on the way towards the afternoon, but be prepared, especially for the early morning hours. All right. Stay safe, everyone. Have a good night. It's supposed to snow.